Welcome to Bridges Community Church. And whether you're joining us online or live in person, we would like to say thanks for joining us. And remember, it doesn't matter what you've been through in your life. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with or what you're going through right now. You are welcome here and you are in the right place. We will begin our services in just a few moments. And as we prepare to enter into a time of worship, we would just like to say we would love to connect with you. If you're new with us, head to bridges.info and let us know that you're here and we'll reach out this week and find out how we can be praying for you or how we can help get you connected to our community. Hey, Bridges Community Church, I'm coming to you live on a Saturday from Grace Village. Grace Village is an apartment complex that was purchased not too long ago by City Team San Jose to help provide more housing options for some of the women and children and families that they are serving and helping. And we as a church, along with other churches in the area, have come along to adopt this unit. And we are refurbishing one of the apartments. You can learn more about that at bridges.info. Not only can you learn more about the project, but you can see uh, how to sign up so that you can participate in our volunteer work days. We've been here the, like the last, I'd say, six Saturdays in a row or so, and we're having fun doing it. Uh, but we'd love for you to be a part of it. We'd also love for you to give. You can give at bridges.info. I want you to see, though, this apartment complex. There's a lovely courtyard here, and there's apartments on the left and right and upstairs and downstairs. And so folks are already moving in. For us, we are in apartment 41, and I just want to show you some of the incredible uh, things that we've gotten to do. Uh, come on in. Come, follow me. So you know how in the book of Genesis where it talks about how the earth was formless and void uh, until God began to sort of shape it? Well, that's kind of what this was, but we're getting out of that right now. So uh, this is going to be some sort of a living area along with the kitchen over here. And you can see that we have been doing some cleaning up. We are trying to now patch holes. I wanna show you, look at this right here. My wife, Shannon, who's holding the camera right now. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> now that we are away from the sheetrock, let me show you some of the other features of this apartment. We've got a hallway here. Uh, it's a little bit difficult to see. In here, we've got a bathroom where there's gonna be a tub and a sink and other things like that. And then we've got a bedroom where there's gonna be a couple beds that are in here. So we are helping provide and furbish all of these things with your um, offerings towards this project. Again, at bridges.info. So we've got a great bedroom. Uh, we've got a little closet in here. But I wanted you to see these things because I'm excited about this project. I'm obviously covered up uh, in uh, dust from all the sheetrock work. Uh, then we're gonna have to, I guess, prepare some more sheetrock um, after my little incident there. So anyway, go to bridges.info, join us for our future work days. Thanks a lot, Bridges family. We'll come to you again with another update soon.
Hi, I'm Lilia Gore, Nursery Coordinator here at Bridges Community Church. We need your help. The nursery is looking for warm and loving volunteers to help care for our babies during Sunday mornings. There are many opportunities during first and second service times on a weekly, monthly, or quarterly basis. Would you please pray about this? And if you're interested or have any questions, please call the church office or email me at lilia at bridges.church. I'm looking forward to serving with you and thank you for your attention. We have started our six-week series entitled A Better Story, which is how to enter into six different conversations the world is already having in a way that shows Jesus as a better story. We're uh, partnering our sermon series with our life group material for this series uh, as a whole church-wide focus, and so we want you in a life group. Even though we have already begun this material, we still want you to get into a life group for the remaining weeks. So you can find um, a list of our life groups if you're here in person out at the welcome table in, in our lobby, or you can find them online. But we want you to get in a group so you can be discussing this material and you can get everything out of it that you possibly can. Let's all stand together and sing.
We started our service uh, today with Center My Life, singing Center My Life, and now uh, turn our eyes to Jesus. And as I was uh, working through the service this week, um, Hebrews 12 kept speaking to me, and you've probably heard this, but just to be reminded, as we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, uh, remember these words. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Can we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus one more time?
and have a seat. And as you do, I'm going to invite uh, Nikolai to come up. Nikolai is uh, one of uh, our elder board members, and he's going to um, lead us in a time of prayer this morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, <clears throat> before we pray, I just wanted to share a little bit uh, about the situation that's going on in Russia and Ukraine. As some of you know, I moved here with my family eight years ago from Russia. Uh, I was born in Ukraine, however, and uh, two of my grandmothers are Ukrainians. Um, I still have extended family there. Um, so what has been going on has been very devastating for all of us, um, and especially for like Russian and Ukrainian people. It's like unbelievable. We never thought um, this may happen, but unfortunately there are people who really want to create this animosity among two very close nations. Um, my extended family is fine right now. They're in a city which was already captured, so there is no shelling, but some of my friends who has been helping us in the ministry, they, they are um, still in the cities where there is a lot of shelling, and they really have to do this... Um, heroic efforts, trying to serve the church, trying to serve people around them, bringing them food on their cars. So one of my friends, Alexei, he's risking his life with his son, just driving food around uh, the city while there is bombing. Um, and some, some brothers uh, that I've heard actually have gone to be with the Lord uh, while helping like that, uh, unfortunately. So there is... Um, um, the situation that we really need to pray for. And um, we can also pray for, it's, it's very dire, right? We can also pray for people in Russia because the new laws which were just passed uh, say that if you say, if you're against the war, if you're like against Russian uh, military forces, then you can go to prison for 15 years. So this is like, <laughs> unfortunately, very much like um, Germany. 80 years ago, 70 years ago. So this is very painful. And only God can help. There is like no other help <laughs> that we, humanly speaking, see coming anywhere, from anywhere else. So I can share this verse before we pray that from Psalm 20, verse 7, is that some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. So let's pray um, um, and ask God to intervene here. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you that you are unchanging even through all of this and that you have even been predicting when you were on this earth that these thing, this things will come, Lord. But now as we're going through this, it's so painful to see this happening, Lord. And we're praying for our brothers and sisters um, who are in this dire situation in Ukraine we're praying that you would protect all the nation of Ukraine, that you would help this war to stop, and that you would help this military people who are like firing these bombs, that you would help them to stop, to, to do this, Lord. Just uh, please, Lord, bring peace back to this earth, peace to these nations, Lord. Please help them to know you through all of this, Lord. And those who are like in trembling right now, they, they fear for their life. Lord, help them to call on to you and find you, Lord. And especially for the church there, we're praying that you would embolden them to 
to proclaim your name and to serve the vulnerable um, in your name, Lord. And through this, that people would know you, Lord, and that they would see your love and would know you. We are praying for a miracle, Lord, because only you can resolve this situation, Lord. And we trust that uh, only you can change something. Lord, we're also praying for our church that we would embolden us to go to this world and preach your word. As we heard in the lessons today, how we can discuss these situations about vulnerable people and still lead people to you through this, Lord. We're praying that you would embolden us to do this and that you would give us your wisdom how to turn these conversations um, about vulnerable uh, to, to telling people about you and about gospel. In Jesus' name, we are praying about all of this. Amen.
Yeah, sure. Amen. Let's celebrate that. Let that be our prayer and let that be our action, that here in the power of Christ, we can and will stand. At this time, we'll dismiss our elementary school students off to Sunday school as Maylin comes up to read our scripture. Proverbs 31, verses 8 to 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. We are in our uh, second week of looking at six different conversations um, that our friends, neighbors, colleagues often have in which we can enter into and show that Jesus is a better story. Um, our primary goal during these six weeks is to help Christians um, be able to naturally share our faith in the context of conversations that we are already having. Uh, so the six conversations are power, we talked about that last week, the vulnerable, purpose, justice, friendship, and self-worth. Um, and we may not have thought about it before, but each one of those conversations is actually an opportunity to point to how beautiful and amazing Jesus is. That's our primary goal, uh, show that Jesus is better, not in an arrogant or argumentative way, but in a look at how amazing he is kind of way. Um, our second goal is to deepen our own faith. So whether we are Christians or just kind of marginal Christians or not Christians at all, uh, we hope that by showing Jesus is a better story that our own faith will deepen or maybe even our faith will begin for the first time. Um, where needed, I hope, I'm praying, uh, these weeks will correct us. Like last week, we were talking about power. Did anybody realize that they themselves are using power in a way that is contrary to how Jesus uses power? Anyone realize that they support leaders who use power in a way that contradicts Jesus' use of power? Anybody realize that? Um, of course, right? Of course you did. Me too. Um, that's what always happens when we see Jesus for who he is. Uh, we are convicted, and, but we are comforted all at the same time. Like we're awestruck by him and our faith deepens and we are changed. So that's our secondary goal. First goal, share Christ. Second goal, deepen or begin our own faith. That's what we're doing every week for these six weeks. This week, we're looking at conversations we already have regarding the vulnerable, um, which happens all the time, especially right now. Taking care of marginalized groups, that is a hot topic right now. Um, so before we get to anything else, let's define what we mean by a vulnerable group. And we'll build on last week. We'll say a vulnerable group is one without power a group that cannot protect itself. 
Meaning, if it is going to be protected, it will need outside help. That's what we mean by vulnerable. Um, we'll divide our message into three sections. First, the Bible's position on the vulnerable. Second, two contemporary vulnerable groups. And lastly, how we can share Christ when someone is talking about a vulnerable group. So the Bible's position, two contemporary examples, and then how to share Christ. So first, the Bible's position on the vulnerable. Speak for, defend, and help them. Speak for, defend, and help them. Our verses today, Proverbs 31, 8, and 9, speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak for them. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Scripture is very consistent on this point. Like from cover to cover, it's really comprehensive too. There's things that we may not even think of, like don't charge too much interest on a loan. Right? Someone's in a bind and they need to borrow money. And if you're the lender, don't take advantage of them. Because if somebody's desperate, let's face it, you could charge them 100% on the loan. Right? They are vulnerable. You could easily prey on them. Don't do that. Um, another example, God says, take care of the foreign the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow, Deuteronomy 27, 19, among other places. He says that a lot. And that orphan and widow might be intuitive to us, but foreigner? We need to take care of the foreigner? Yeah. Like someone's new in town, it would be easy to take advantage of that person because they don't know anything. They don't know anyone. They don't know how our system works. And you could make a tidy profit off of them. And God says, don't do that. Instead, lift them get them integrated, get them up to speed, help them. Um, now with the orphan and the widow, probably very few of us would go out of our way to hurt orphans or widows, right? But we could easily, lots of us could easily say, they aren't my problem. I mean, it's tragic. They lost the provider for their family, right? Especially in biblical times. If dad wasn't around, it was very difficult to make it in society. So, I really feel for you, too bad. But you know, I have my own family to worry about. I can't help you. God says, don't do that. God says, make them your problem. Use your resources to piece their lives back together. They are vulnerable. They can't insulate themselves from the ups and downs in life. They can't protect themselves from exploitation. People will prey on the fact that they are desperate. You have to step in for them. You have to defend them. It's not enough that we would refrain from taking advantage of them ourselves. We have to proactively defend them. Bible is crystal clear on God's commands regarding the vulnerable. It's like, period, no debate. So, Please don't try to wiggle out of that. Please don't say something like, God helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. Or everyone needs to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. That's not in the Bible either. Or the best way to help them is by letting them climb out of the hole themselves. They need to learn. It's not in the Bible. Right? Those, that's contrary to God's commands. In other words, we are breaking God's commands if we look at the vulnerable and say, it's up to you to get yourself out of there. Right? We are doing something wrong then. 
Okay, that's the Bible's position on the vulnerable. Second, uh, two contemporary vulnerable groups, um, expecting mothers and their babies. Expecting mothers and their babies. Uh, Both are vulnerable. Both have difficulty insulating themselves from the ups and downs of life. And obviously, these are not the only two vulnerable groups in our society. There are many, right? Refugees, English as a second language, people who are differently abled, the poor, the elderly, those unfamiliar with new technology, on and on and on and on and on. Many vulnerable groups. And hopefully, you are in a life group in our church. And if you are, that means this morning, already, you have thought about numerous vulnerable groups and discussed our obligations to them. If you aren't in a life group, you should still get in one uh, for the rest of this series. At least you have four weeks left and you'll get way more out of our remaining weeks if you process this with others. So get in a group if you aren't. But even if you aren't in a group, I think you can take the principles from these two contemporary examples and apply them to how we must care for any vulnerable group. So, expectant mothers and their babies. Um, No surprise to anyone here, I'm sure. Um, Nobody's going to be like, oh, I never noticed that before. But here's an observation. Um, For those who are right-leaning politically, there's a tendency to speak for and defend the baby in the womb, which is great. But then, to some extent, neglect caring for the expectant mother. And for those who are left-leaning politically, there is a tendency to speak for and defend the expectant mother, which is great, but to some extent, neglect caring for the baby in the womb. What seems to be rare, although it's certainly not unheard of, and I could list a whole bunch of people who don't fall into this, but what seems to be rare are people who stand up for, petition for, the needs for both the mother and the baby. But that would be the biblical position, to speak for both, to defend both, to use our resources to help both. We, as Christ followers, should not overemphasize the child to the detriment of the mother, And we shouldn't overemphasize the mother to the detriment uh, or death, to put it bluntly, of the child. We shouldn't do either of those. But for some reason, Christians tend to look at expectant mothers and their babies politically instead of biblically. Um, And therefore, even many Christians tend to overemphasize one or the other. Um, So in preparation for this message, I was reading hundreds of uh, social media posts of women who shared when and why uh, they terminated their pregnancies. And it's heartbreaking. I mean, it's heartbreaking for the baby, of course, and like we'll get there in a minute, but it's heartbreaking for the mother too. Um, Their stories fell into several uh, different categories, but one overarching theme was, I was scared and alone. Um, I wasn't prepared financially. I didn't know how I could both work and support a child. Um, We already had three to four kids, and we could not afford another one. Or even, surprisingly, but I think some industries can still get away with this, some women said, if work found out I was pregnant, they would have terminated me. 
and where would that have left me and the baby? Or if my parents found out, they would have disowned me. Um, for others, it was the parents who were like pressuring the girl into terminating the pregnancy because of the social stigma for the family. So summary, one major theme, and it wasn't the only theme, of course, but one major theme was women who felt like they didn't have options, who felt cornered, like there was no way out. They did not have the ability to compensate for their new set of circumstances. That's a vulnerable group. Everywhere they turned seemed to be a closed door. Society wasn't going to give them a break. I mean, of course, right? You still need to work. You still need to produce just like everybody else. That's what society would tell them. For some of them, their families weren't going to give them a break. Like, you got yourself into the, this mess. It's up, up to you to get yourself out of it. For many of them, their religion scolded them or condemned them. So they felt like they had nowhere to turn, right? Trapped. That's a vulnerable group. That's a group without the power to insulate themselves. And for some of us this morning, it's easy to look at a mother in that position and say, well, I don't know what she's going to do with it, but she can't terminate the baby. Now, of course, if the baby's terminated, that's obviously not protecting the baby. And we'll get to the baby in a minute. But if we tell the mother, I don't know what you're going to do with it, but you have to have it, if that's what we say, she feels even more trapped, like she's been silenced, like her voice is irrelevant. What she hears, whether you are saying it or not, is that she doesn't matter at all. She's supposed to shut up, do what you want, and go away. That's not helping the vulnerable. That's not speaking for or defending the vulnerable. That's silencing the vulnerable. That's telling the vulnerable, you deal with it, not my problem, and that is not biblical. Um, some of us would still want to push back and say something like, well, she's only in that position because of her poor decisions. If she hadn't done what she did, she wouldn't need to worry about it. And we only need to help people who are victims of circumstances instead of causes of circumstances. Really? Really? That's what you want to say as a redeemed sinner yourself. Even though you, yourself, are completely unworthy of Jesus' love and acceptance, yet you were loved and received anyway, you would want to tell someone else, we only help innocent parties. Come on. Just go read the Gospels and see who Jesus helped. See if he ever told a sinner in trouble, you find your own way out of this. We need to help defend, speak for the mom. So I had an idea this week, which I'm still following up on. So stay tuned. Um, for, for decades, Bridges has partnered with uh, Real Options Pregnancy Clinic. We just had our walk for life yesterday, which is fantastic. Um, Real, Option, Real Options shows the mom she has real options. Um, she's not trapped. Awesome what they do. And they even often uh, give moms like cribs and bouncers and high chairs and all kind of stuff to help with like the initial cost of the new baby. Um, but here's, here's my idea. Hopefully we can get this set up. I've checked, I've asked, uh, so we're, it's still like in process. Could we do something like uh, adopt a mom? 
Like one, provide the initial stuff she needs, but two, if, if needed, provide like the ongoing stuff she needs, like childcare if she's working, um, if that's a need, right? Provide maybe like ongoing coaching for parenting. Be like really involved. Be like an extended family that she doesn't have. Whatever we can do to say, you are not alone. We know this is hard. We are here. Something like that, and you may have a better idea. If you do, I want to hear it. Uh, We'll try to do it. But something like that is caring for, defending, speaking for a mom who is in need. Okay, that's the mom. Let's talk about the baby. For those who naturally really care about the mom, there can be a tendency to lose track of the baby. But the fact that the baby is a person in his or her own right, is simply undeniable, uh, scientifically, philosophically, spiritually. Scientifically, I was blown away when our first son was born, probably like many of you were when you had kids, but right when he was born, like two minutes later, uh, they tested his blood type, and it was different than Beth's. Like our kid had a different blood type than Beth. And I asked the delivery nurse, you know, like I was sleep deprived, obviously, but I was like, I have a question. Because uh, remember, I asked a lot of questions. I told you that last week. I said, I guess I didn't pay attention that day in biology, but a baby can have a different blood type than the mom? Like that can happen? And she said, yes. She said, your son made his own blood in the womb. Mom only gives like food nourishment through the umbilical cord. She doesn't give the kid any of her blood. Blown away. I didn't know that. I'm sure all of you do, but it was incredible to me. Like, here's what that means though. If the kid has different blood than the mother, that means the kid's body is not the mother's body. Different blood means different body. The idea of my body, my choice, that's an okay idea. I think there are some exceptions, okay? We could think of examples of if you do something to your body, it it affects more than just you, right? But in general, my my body, my choice, good idea. But it definitely does not apply here because the kid's body is really objectively a different body. And none of us can make a choice about somebody else's body. That's a violation. We can't infringe on others. So scientifically, definitively, right, the baby is a separate person from the mother. No way that different blood could mean same person. Just no way, scientifically. Philosophically, here's a question. What makes a person a person? Do you ever think about this? What makes a person a person? Is personhood innate? Like you always had it, you always will have it. No one can take away your personhood. Is that how it works? Or does someone else have the power to determine whether you are a person or not? Like can the government, for instance, decide that some humans are only three-fifths of a person and other humans are whole persons? Does the government have that power? Does anybody have that power to decide whether somebody else is a person? Or are we just all persons and no one has a right 
to mess with our personhood. Which is it? Of course, obviously, no, no one wants uh, somebody to decide if they are a person or three-fifths three of a person or not persons. Of course, no one should have that type of power over somebody else's sovereignty. But that is exactly what we're doing with babies in the womb. All right, if the mom wants the baby, then it's a baby, and we celebrate with the mom. If the mom doesn't want the baby, then it's a fetus and can be tossed away. Currently, it is the mother's desire for the child that makes the child a person with rights. If the child is wanted, it's a child. If the child is not wanted, it's not a child. The personhood of the baby is determined by someone else. And that is really problematic because none of us would want anyone having the power to remove uh, our personhood. That's a very dark road. We've gone down that road other times in history, and it's always bad. Um, so that's philosophically. Spiritually, God knitted us together in our mother's wombs. All our days were ordained for us before one of them came to be, Psalm 139. None of us were a mistake. None of us were a mistake. No matter the circumstances of your conception, God was involved in that conception. He knit you together. And it's not like God was like, whoops, didn't mean to knit that together. Like I accidentally made a masterpiece again. Like that's not what happened. God considered you a person when you were in the womb. The womb is when you became a you. You didn't become a you when your mother wanted you. You were already a you. You made your own blood. All your days were ordained by the God who knit you together. But when you were in the womb, you didn't have a voice. So for those of us with a voice, we need to speak for them. Biblically, there is no option. We must speak. We must defend. We must care for those persons. For every mom here who chose to terminate a pregnancy, for the likely many women in this room who made that choice. You are not alone. There are likely many here. We love you. God loves you. Your baby is fine. We love you. God loves you. Your baby is fine. Your baby is with Jesus. That's my belief, anyway. Your baby is fine. Your baby is with Jesus. You don't need to hide from your past. You don't need to have shame. Maybe the days ordained for your baby before one of them came to be was to help other babies avoid the same end. Maybe the role that God has for you and your history is to help other mothers make a different decision. I was inspired last year. Uh, Valerie Hill spoke here, and she shared her story of uh, choosing to terminate her pregnancy. Um, but now, she, this is what she said last year. She looks back at it as her purpose to share her experience with others. Like she's not hiding from her past. Her past is her purpose. Um, and she, it's the purpose of the baby that she lost. God 
redeems. God doesn't condemn. In Christ, there is no condemnation, right? God redeems. God doesn't shun us because of our past. God uses our past, no matter what it was. He uses our past for our good and for the good of others. So instead of being weighed down in shame, if that's you, be free and help others. God doesn't condemn you in Christ. Neither do we. Okay, lastly, how to point to Christ. Um, admittedly, expectant mothers and their babies is a uh, volatile conversation um, in which to attempt to bridge to Jesus. It won't be easy to do that. So again, um, hopefully you're, you're in a life group and you're talking about lots of other examples of vulnerable groups and how to bridge to Jesus. But um, perhaps if you can see a path from the very difficult conversation of expectant mothers and their babies to Jesus, if you can see, um, if it, you can see how it's possible to get from there to Jesus, then you might be able to see a path to get from any conversation to Jesus, which won't be as difficult. So here's what I say. Um, someone's talking about pro-life, pro-choice, which doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. Um, especially with recent laws passed in other states, Supreme Court appointments, people, people in my circle say something, and generally they are mad, uh, which is not the best place to start if you want to share Christ, I admit. Uh, but here you are. You have an opportunity, so make the most of it. Um, here's how I respond. Um, and I don't do this on social media, by the way. Do not do this on social media. Only in-person conversations, okay? But I ask, do you think there is a way to care for both the mother and the baby? They're mad. They think the mother's being silenced. They think some law's unfair. And I say, do you think there's a way we could care for both the mother and the baby? Like blank stare back at me, right? So I just keep going. Um, I say, as maybe like community organizations or churches or us as individuals, like you and me, is there something you and me could do to help both mother and baby? Um, asking the question that way help, helps, doesn't always eliminate, but helps skip the part of the conversation where the person assumes if you are pro-life, it means that you must be anti-woman. It, like, it, helps, it helps to prevent that part of the conversation because you already said, I want to find a way to care for the mom, right? So you've kind of declared you aren't anti-woman from the beginning. Is there a way to care for both the mom and the baby? Um, occasionally, not often, but they push back and say something like, it's not a baby. If they do, I would say, you know, I don't want to spend time debating that. I'd rather spend our time being creative and thinking of solutions for how to help both. So maybe, just for now, maybe just hypothetically, um, you know, if, if the baby makes their own blood, then they're probably their own persons. But just hypothetically, for now, for the sake of this conversation, do you think there's a way that we could care for both mother and baby? Your friend might have some really good answers. Listen to them. Um, and you can share the adopt-a-mom thing or your better idea than mine. Um, or your friend might say, I don't think there's a way. I think we need to choose one or the other because prioritizing one automatically disadvantages the other. But regardless of what your friends say, you could say, I wish we could care for both. I wish we could care for both. Because as a Christian, I believe everyone matters, no matter how small they are. 
It's part of my faith. And at this point, what we say here could apply to any vulnerable group. Um, Or I'll tell you, there's times I've been asked by folks, um, they're like, you know, they think evangelical Christians are the devil. um, And so they know that I identify that way. And they're like, hey, you know, speak for your people. Why is pro-life such an important uh, issue? And I'm, okay, um, say it's part of my faith, right? I mean, as, as, as a human, I care about other humans, period, right? Like nobody needs to have faith in order to care about other humans. Anyone can care for anyone. But there is something extra because of my faith. The Christian story is that God gave us a voice when we were only dust. When we were as insignificant as it gets, dust. God gave us a voice, which whether you are a Christian or not, you should believe that Christians are dust, right? Because what else would we be? What else is there? We're just a collection of particles that appear on the periodic table. We're just dust. That's it. I had a friend in college who said, because of the law of conservation of mass, right? Bring you up to speed. Earth has basically the same amount of raw material that it has always had. Yes, like a few things have left Earth, not many. A few meteors have come in or whatever, but basically we're a closed system. Nothing in, nothing out, right? But now there are 7 billion people on the planet, close to 8 actually, and there hasn't always been 8 billion people. So he said that must mean there is now much less dirt on the Earth (laughs) than there once was. Like when we only had a few people, there was a whole lot more dirt. But now, 8 billion people later, whatever the mass of 8 billion people is, that's how much less dirt is on the earth. Ever think about that? That's all we are. Dirt. But the Christian story is that even though we are only dirt, God gave us a voice. It's the ultimate give a voice to the voiceless. The dust from one tiny planet has been given enough status that we can speak with the one who created all the planets. That's amazing, right? And it's humbling. Like, I wouldn't have a voice unless someone outside of me chose to give me one, and I was given such a voice that I can speak with the infinite creator even though I'm only dust. That's humbling. So how can I not do the same? No matter how small the person is or unworthy, I need to give them a significant voice. See, that's a little bit deeper than just, as a human, I care about other humans. We have have more to our story than just solidarity with the vulnerable. So we share Christ by talking about the voice that he gave us. That's how we share him into a conversation of we speak for the vulnerable because God gave us a voice when we were voiceless. And then your friend might say, oh, that's kind of cute, inspiring even. I wish all Christians were as reflective as you are. Um, No one's ever said that to me. Um, So you're like, yes, uh, I shared my faith and that's great. But remember, right, we can't stop there. If we're having an evangelistic conversation, we must go to our need for Christ. If we only provide some kind of vague inspiration, we have not actually been evangelistic. So they've said, that's cute. 
God gave you a voice when you were only dust. And you say, yeah, it, it, it's kind of inspirational. Uh, but there's a flip side to it, too. It's not all lofty whimsy. If God created us, lifted us out of dust, gave us status in the universe, I mean, neat story. But then that means that we are accountable to him. If he made us, we answer to him. There's, uh, there's this ancient metaphor, it predates Jesus, written by a guy uh, by the name of Ezekiel. I'll actually say this to folks. I'm like, there's this ancient metaphor. If that's not you, find your own way. But since it's a metaphor, it means it didn't literally happen, but it's supposed to teach us something. Ezekiel 16, someone sees an abandoned baby flailing around in a field, and it's like afterbirth fluids. It's graphic. Um, but the baby is taken in given a good home. Um, it's like the baby was given life, given a voice, lifted up out of the dust. So the baby grows up. But then instead of living in gratitude for being rescued, the now woman completely betrays and slanders the one who adopted her. It's a sad story. It's meant to be a story describing us and God. God is the adopter we are this unfaithful woman. And in the story, God is rightly pretty upset, but the story doesn't end with God upset. The story ends with God saying he will redeem the unfaithful woman. Even though there doesn't seem to be much change of behavior on her end, God promises to redeem nonetheless. It's like God is going to lift her out of her filth round two. That's how it ends. That's the Christian story. God gave us life. We were unfaithful and betrayed him. Yet God redeems. Jesus took the abandonment that should be ours. Jesus was left out to dry, soaked in his own blood, like the baby in the field, in order that we would be adopted. On the cross, the all-powerful one became vulnerable so that we, the vulnerable, could be given a voice forever. It's a remarkable story. It's utterly unique. And it is that story that will transform us into people who passionately want to give a voice to all who are voiceless, to protect all the vulnerable. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for lifting us out of dust. We thank you for redeeming us, even though we have run from you, Lord. Thank you for empowering us, giving us a voice. Thank you for becoming vulnerable. Lord, we pray that as we look at you and your goodness, that um, we would see our past as redeemed, that we would carry no shame, that we would carry no condemnation because you carry, you, you put no condemnation on us. You have freed us from all condemnation, Lord. Let us celebrate um, our stories as a way to worship you and bring others to you. Uh, we pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks, Dan. Uh, no surprise with a topic like that. You destroyed me as I was sitting down there and uh, literally thinking, how am I going to get up there and uh, sing with everybody? But then you reminded us, we have a better story. And that's why we can sing, and that's why we do sing. So uh, would you all please stand with us as we sing our better story?
Go ahead, well, friends, before we leave today, I want to encourage you, as always, to go to bridges.info for your next steps. If you're new here today, you're visiting with us, maybe you've come a couple weeks in a row, we're so glad you're here. At bridges.info, you'll find a way that you can connect with us, and we can connect with you. We'd love to know that you're here, and if you have questions about Christianity or about faith or how to get plugged in, we'd love to follow up with you. So you can do that at bridges.info, and we'll follow up with you in the coming days, one of the things that you can do is at bridges.info, uh, tell us that you're looking for a group. We want everybody to be in a small group uh, for a number of reasons. In the immediate, one of the reasons we want everybody in a group is so that you can participate in the small group videos that accompany this series. And so you can do that by being a part of a group, go to bridges.info. And then after this series, we hope that you'll continue to be in a group and that you'll find connection with other uh, Christ followers who are in the same place that you are and can pray for you and encourage you and strengthen you in your faith and that you can strengthen them in theirs as we're on this journey together. Also at bridges.info, you'll find a link where you can give financially. And so we always uh, are grateful for those ties and those offerings. You can give at uh, bridges.info or you can give at the secure boxes that are attached to the wall there as you leave. Uh, as you're, if you're a regular part of our attenders, um, this is our uh, act of saying thank you to God for how he's provided for us. If you're just visiting today, please don't feel obligated to give. But uh, we're grateful for those tithes and those offerings. It allows us to do the work that God has called us to do. Also at bridges.info, you can interact with us as teaching pastors. Today, if you have a question or a comment or anything you'd like to share uh, or put forth that uh, you can interact with Pastor Dan uh, in light of today's message. Maybe something was surfaced, and he, I know that he'd love to follow up with you on that. We always uh, try to take time at the end of every week to answer some of the questions that we receive. We do our best to do that. And so if you have a question, bridges.info, you can submit it there. Uh, you'll also find there a way to uh, jump into some of the service opportunities that we have that are available. I want to just recap uh, this wonderful Walk for Life event that uh, many of you participated in physically as well as financially. Some of you want to know how much money we raised for Real Options as a church. You may recall that our goal was 12000 We were hoping to be able to raise that so that we could help uh, send some nurses from Real Options Ministry to some much-needed ultrasound training. And I was told before I came in today that uh, we exceeded the 12,000 and are at 17,576, I believe. Yeah. So praise God for that. It's just, again, one way that we can uh, kind of come alongside a really important ministry and to say, if people are vulnerable, then they're valuable. They're valuable to God and they're valuable to us, both woman and child. And so we're grateful for that ministry. You'll also find other things at bridges.info service opportunity wise. One reminder at one o'clock today out in the church parking lot, uh, much hope is a coordinated, a wonderful gathering uh, where the people are bringing in supplies that are going to be used to help uh, in partnership with an organization in San Jose that is getting those much needed medical supplies, even like first aid kits and things like that to people who are uh, being affected right now by what's happening in Ukraine. So you can participate today from one to three if you have questions about that. Suresh and Sujana, I'm sure, would love to talk to you about that. And uh, they're just over here, and it's going to be from one to three out. I believe it's on this side, yeah? 
over by the church office. Great. Thank you uh, for that. And then also you'll find out about our uh, building project that we're doing uh, over at Grace Village Apartment Complex in coordination with City Team where we're trying to remodel an apartment that uh, one of the families that... Um, this client of city team can be able to use so you can sign up there and be part of our volunteer work crew even if you're not super handy we'll find a place for you so lots of things going on and you can just always go there each and every week and find out about those things but as we leave today i just would love to pray for us and ask that god would take the message that was shared the experience of worship altogether, and that he would just cement those things in our hearts so let's pray together god we thank you that you are the one who loves the vulnerable, and we are included in that group um, just by virtue of the fact that we live in a fallen world and that we fall short of your perfect standard by our sin. But thank you that Jesus came and that he demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Lord, we know that there are also those who are physically vulnerable right now and those being taken advantage of. And I pray that we would not only speak on behalf of, but also speak alongside of the vulnerable. Lord, if they're vulnerable, they're valuable. Lord, and I pray that we would keep that in our heart this week as we go out. We thank you for this time that we have to, 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 uh, to worship together with one heart and with one mind and one voice. I pray for the gathering this afternoon that much hope is uh, so wonderfully put together. I pray that you would take the supplies that are received and I pray you would multiply them and get them to the people in Ukraine who need it the most. Please, God, we ask for an end to that conflict. And we pray that this week you would just lead us to those opportunities where we can be light and salt and your hands and your feet. We thank you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great rest of your day.